Hey there, Fully Live Athlete Pastor Channel, Justin speaking, and we are on day 31 of the Online Bible Reading Club. Today we're dealing with Exodus 25 and 26, and we're dealing with Matthew 20, 17 through 34. Now, you might look at these chapters and think, well, that's quite mundane. It's some building instructions, and it's talking about curtains and veils, and you're like, well, how is this relevant to my life? Well, you could not get more relevant than this. I got something to tell you. Well, look at this. It's a portable temple, a portable tabernacle. It's a tent, and they're, it's a sanctuary for God. It's going to represent His presence, and so they build it. They're going to they're going to take donations for all the goods and and and, and materials they need, and it's perfectly provided for. The people give out of their hearts, not compelled, but give uh, out of what they desire to give, and it, and it works out. Well, then they, they it talks about in verse eight and nine of chapter twenty five. There's a pattern. It says that Moses will be shown the pattern of, of what they're to build. And a pattern, of course, is a copy of something greater. That's the first thing you gotta see about this, is there's a pattern. And what what you know in, in Micah 1, 2 through 3 and Hebrews 9, 23 through 24, it says that the tabernacle was a was an earthly copy or pattern of the heavenly sanctuary. Now why would you need a tabernacle? Well you're gonna represent by this pattern that God is gonna dwell with his people. Of course, he's everywhere present, but with his covenant people, he's especially present. He's their God and they're his people. They're in an intimate fellowship, which is unique amongst all the peoples of the world. He's going to dwell in their midst. And so when you get to the New Testament, the good news of the gospel is that the word of God, Jesus, comes to tabernacle, the same word there, or dwell with his people in John 1.14. He's going to dwell amongst us or tabernacle amongst us. And so the, the blessing that we receive in the gospel is the presence of God without sin. Our sins are atoned for. And you see that, uh, and that the ultimate reality is we need to pray. Uh, if you think about how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, we need to pray for the blessing of God's presence upon this earth in the midst of his people. Listen to this. In Matthew 6 on the Lord's Prayer, God says, or Jesus says, Pray to the Lord like this, uh, that uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see that there's the pattern for what we are to long for is the heavenly realities. And we're, we're, sh we're shadows or pictures of those right now. We're copies or patterns of those things right now. Well, that's how we dwell with those people. That's how he's going to dwell with those people is to show us the ultimate reality, and we need to long for that. Uh, that's what we pray for. So the ark, let's move the ark. The ark is this box. It's got specific dimensions, one by one meters by 0 0.7 meters by 0 0.7 meter box, covered in gold. It's got rings on all four corners, and you, and you put these poles through it so that the people don't have to touch it. If they touch it, they will die. Uh, First, First Chronicles 13 and Second Samuel 6 relate the story of Uzzah, who dies because... Well, David, knucklehead that he is, doesn't put the ark uh, and transport it through the, with the poles, but he transports it using a cart pulled by animals. And the animal stumbles, and this poor guy, Uzzah, tries to reach out and stop it from falling, and God zaps him in an instant, and he dies. Well, the, 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 the bad news about God's presence uh, when we are sinners is that we cannot dwell in the presence of God in sin, and that if we reach out and touch Him, we will die. Uh, even the, even this copy 
that's going to show forth his, pre- his presence. And this ark was to hold the agreements between God and man, the, the, the covenant documents. Well, so if you, touch, if you touch the Lord in a state of sin, you will be zapped. Okay, now that's the, that's the bad news of God's presence. Uh, is that we can't dwell without atonement. So when when you talk about the ark, you got to talk about the next thing, which is the lid. The lid now, uh, which means the it's the mercy seat or cover. Well, this cover word is the same word used in Romans three twenty five when Paul speaks in Romans three twenty five of atonement or making propitiation by the blood. So the propitiation word there which means to make appeasement of wrath or to satisfy the wrath of God upon sin through the blood of a sacrifice, and that's Jesus. So this mercy seat or cover seat is going to be the representation of where of the angels or, or the, the, the cherubim creatures are, are crafted on the side. They're golden. They're bowing before this mercy seat, which the priest is going to take blood and sprinkle on, and this is going to be representative of the cross where Jesus makes his sacrifice to atone for the people. And this is what the angels long to look into, as Peter says in, in, in one of his epistles. So you think about that. We will meet with God there. God will meet with us there is the promise he gives to Moses. God's going to meet with us at the throne of his mercy for the atonement and propitiation of our sins. He's going to take care of our sins, remove them as far as the east is from the west. That's good news. Well, then you got the holy places where you got the bread, the second most holy place. you got the bread table, uh, which is representation of God nourishing us. You've got the light post uh, that shows us that God's presence uh, is our true light. It's our refreshing um, uh, blessing to be in, in the presence of God. You've got seven imagery there, which symbolizes perfection. Uh, so God, the perfect Lord, is going to dwell with his people uh, within harmony. And Jesus, of course, is the true light. He's the light of the world. And, and that, so all these things find their fulfillment in Jesus. You see a pattern here? It's talking about Jesus. The whole thing is talking about Jesus. Math, or Luke 24 says that the whole Old Testament speaks about Jesus. He explains the whole thing to them. And if Jesus uh, you know, uh, says that uh, we need to believe that he's the light, uh, then, then we need to believe that he's the light, and these things are pointing to him. Now, uh, at the end of our worship services, Jesus, we often say that uh, that God gives a blessing or a benediction, and it's that may the Lord make His face shine upon you, and that's represented in the second most holy place where the light of the Lord shines upon the priest as he goes in to do the work, and ultimately we're going to dwell all within the veil, and, and and you know there's going to be no veil between us, and we're going to dwell and see the face of the Lord Jesus, and the light of the world will shine upon all of His people as we dwell with Him in unbroken fellowship without sin and without barriers. Now the next thing you're going to notice here is the veils. The next chapter, 26, is all about the curtains and how that doesn't sound very relevant. We don't do curtains in our worship for for in the way that they did then. Uh, but the Bible uh, is the world's greatest story. And our story uh, of Exodus began with people alienated from God without hope, and they're moving ahead to live with God in glory, uh, because, um, uh, well, because God's going to make atonement. Uh, they they were destined for glory in the Garden of Eden, but they fell in Adam, and because of that, we're all enslaved to sin, 
And these curtains are going to be relevant because they picture our separation from God, that sin separates us from God. And you know, he's going to dwell amongst us, but we're still separated from him. And that's what these curtains say. One relevant detail here is that the curtains which separate the people from the holiest place were designated or distinguished by the images of cherubim sewn into the entrance of the, to the holy place. Now, where else in the Bible have we seen cherubim before this? Well, at the Garden of Eden, at the gates of the Garden of Eden. The cherubim with the flashing sword is going to with this flashing sword is going to guard the way to the tree of life so that sinners don't reach out and eat of the tree of, of life and live forever in a state of alienation and sin and destruction. So, so how are we going to get into the, into the garden and get, or, or the glory and dwell with God in His presence forevermore and, and heaven on earth and all these things come together? Well, there's going to be one who's going to go through the sword uh, and he's going to face the cherubim's sword and be slain so that we can enter. And that's Christ. And you go to Matthew 20, 17 and following, and Jesus told his disciples about his imminent death. The death is going to be the promised death of the seed of the woman, where he is bruised, but he ultimately, through his death, bruises the head of the enemy. See, God uh, killed an animal in that first uh, picture of the gospel in Genesis 3 and covered them with with garments. And he, and he makes atonement for their sins. He's going to ultimately do that through blood, uh, through Jesus. And every time they looked at the curtains of the tabernacle that we just talked about, they saw the separation. But when you see Jesus, who has just predicted his death in Matthew 20, uh, at the death, ultimately, you're going to see the curtains brought down. And that's dramatic, isn't it? That's far more dramatic than any wall that's ever come down, the Berlin walls or the dividing walls of hostility, that the hostility or enmity between God and man has been brought down at the cross through the merciful, faithful high priest. We may now approach God with confidence. Jesus' blood is the means. It's the grounds of our salvation. It's the grounds of our justification. It was always the way that was portrayed the pattern that was put forward in the tabernacle and in the ark and in the curtains and the lampstands and the table of bread and all of it. This would bring blessings on God's people. Now, you, you can't understand these things without understanding that it's all about Jesus who had to die for our sin and be resurrected on the third day. These are just odd stories with that odd descriptions, religious jargon, unless you understand that you are made for fellowship with God, but you're separated in your sin. And in Jesus only, through faith in Him, has your separation been ended. And you're going to participate in feast with God, in His presence forevermore, with all of God's people from all the nations. And at death, the veil of the temple, at His death, the veil of the temple was torn and access is granted to all God's people. You don't have to go through any other mediators but through Christ because your sins have been atoned for. God bless you. If you've been watching and listening to all the way through this, God bless you. Hit the like button, share it, comment, ask questions. Let's keep reading the Bible together. Day 32 tomorrow. God bless.